like I said, missionaries give missionaries a bad name. When I first came to Thailand, I visited a church of somebody. I knew it, what it was going to be like before I went, but I just went to go see it for myself. And it was a guy, he started a church, and there was a team of like seven families, mission, quote-unquote missionary families were there, and they would send out a uh, song pile to go get um, people from the community, like offering them candy, like, hey, come. And the week I was there, like a grandma and her Wait, 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 they picked up people in the van by offering candy. I don't know if they actually offer candy, but they are not. Um, unbeknownst to do that. Okay. They don't like bribe them into the church, but they, but kind of, I mean, basically it's bribing them into the church. They don't say, Hey, little boy, come get in the can't get in the van. I'll give you some candy. Welcome to Brood in Bangkok, the podcast about the people you meet in the city that makes a hard man crumble. Welcome to Brood in Bangkok. My name is Karsten, and I am here today with someone I not only meet in the streets of Bangkok, but I met in my own street. I don't own it, but I live there, and I've been commuting there for about eight years, so kind of think of it as my street or my hood. And one day I noticed that my hood had a new place, what looked to be like a new business. And I got curious and wanted to see what it is. And it turns out it's a church. And it's not only a church, but it's a white guy who showed up and started a church. And I got curious. How does that work? Like you just roll up and say, okay, church here now. How do you get the money? How do you pick a location? How do you get the permits? You know, just how does this work? How do you start a church from nothing? And um, I mean, this place is in downtown Bangkok. It's two townhouses. It's, um, you know, newly renovated. It's pretty, uh, it's not just a bush hut with, uh, you know, some plastic tables there. So there's a little bit that went into that operation. I got curious. I want to know how did that come about? So I talked to the guy, his name is Philip, and asked him if he would come on the podcast show to describe his own experience of setting up a church in Thailand and what kind of challenges he faced doing that, and he kindly agreed to do so. So you'll get to hear from him in today's episode. I also had help with this episode from Lou Popjecki, uh, audio engineer and producer who helped me uh, Polish up this episode so your ears get to enjoy the fullest and nicest sound quality. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Let's start. Welcome to Brood in Bangkok. It's your host, Karsten. And today I'm here with Philip Basham. Basham? Basham. Basham. Like, hit somebody. Basham. You, you hit them with Jesus. Uh, Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Philip, you you started a church in Thailand, which I think is super interesting. But maybe you can tell us first, how did that come about? I wanted to be in the ministry. I wanted to do be a minister, um, but I also wanted to um, work in a place that was kind of on the front lines, talking and speaking in Christianity terms, on the front lines where there were very little churches, very few Christians. And um, so I looked around at different countries and ended up in Thailand. So you had like a spreadsheet 
while you were like comparing or how did that how did it like how did that process work it was several years really of just seeing what the world was like and stuff like that um it wasn't my main like what the country is like was not my main deciding factor but you know what the country is like and the condition and their openness and the laws and stuff like that definitely had it had a uh influence on were there other contenders <laughs> at one point i wanted to go to kyrgyzstan which probably nobody's ever heard of it's a i little, have little country in all the stan countries it's right there it's I not have, i have extended family there what uh, it's a long story <laughs> okay <laughs> okay well how did thailand win out over kyrgyzstan well it is well, those things i was just mentioning it's 99.5 percent non Christian, I would say, well, if you count Catholics, it's 1% or so. Um, but um, I'm a Protestant, so it's about 0.5% Christian. So check that box. Very um, needy place for churches. And there's very few. I mean, there's a lot of, if you count the number of churches, there's a lot. But really, relatively speaking, there's very few churches and things. So, I, you know, it's kind of like the guy going to Africa to sell shoes. One guy goes and he sees everybody wearing, not wearing shoes. He's like, oh man, nobody needs shoes here. The other guy goes and he sees everybody without shoes. And so he's like, man, oh, that's interesting. send all the shoes you can get. Everybody needs them. That's an interesting question, right? I mean, you see a place without shoes and how do you decide whether they need shoes or whether, you know, they're fine without? Well, I mean, if you're just a salesman, a sale, a shoe salesman, then... You just try to sell them all because you tell them how great it is and they see how great it is and they start wearing shoes. Uh-huh. And you have a pretty good idea what that process will be like. Because Talking, most of the world wears shoes. Uh-huh. Talking <laughs> about people in Thailand and there, well, um, that's maybe a, in Thailand we probably have to switch the uh, analogy a bit. Um, <laughs> we went too far on the shoes? Uh, yeah, I think that might not be the, I'm, I'm not sure if that's... <laughs> most positive association here but um obviously you're not the first missionary to come to thailand and people have been trying to make thailand more christian for a very long time and as you say there's still a very very small percentage of christians in thailand what do you think are factors that uh, made it so well it depends on your first of all it depends on your definition of how long people have been trying to make Thailand more Christian. Um, really, I think the missionary movement or the, like the first, the first missionaries really only came maybe 150 years ago, which is kind of a long time. If you think, Oh, 150 years is a long time. But if you think in world history, that's a very short amount of time. So, um, 150 years ago, and then really only since the Maybe 30s, 40s, 50s is really when a significant number of missionaries really started coming. In the first hundred years or so, it was very few numbers. There was actually a lot of persecution. Um, in Thailand for missionaries? In Thailand from, for missionaries, yes. Oh, against, I guess. Yeah. So there was a few people, like kind of militant Buddhists who were very against it. And actually some missionaries died. And there was a one guy, I think he's kind of... McGilvery or something. There's one guy. He was uh, one of the early missionaries who really kind of made inroads through 
uh, medical practice and helping with education and things like that. And he got to know the king and he got to know some royalty and stuff and kind of helped tone down the hostility against Christians. Mm -hmm. I mean, nowadays it's pretty open, right? I mean, Thailand has a missionary visa and has all these procedures in place to kind of welcome missionaries. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, my visa is a missionary visa. It's a work visa, but it's for it's a religious visa. So I'm here according to my visa for the express purpose of starting churches, um propagating the gospel so I can I have complete freedom to do whatever I want. I mm -hmm. can go hand out literature on the street corner if I want to. But in Thailand, Buddhism is such a strong part of national identity. Uh, what has been your experience? What are the reasons why they welcome that? Have you have you discovered that? Well, I think historically across cultures, um, missionaries have generally um, been some of the first people to take in advances in technology, maybe in maybe printing, in healthcare, in education, and things like that. And so, I think sometimes missionaries get a bad rap because of some missionaries <laughs> the problem with missionaries is missionaries but in if we speak broadly speaking uh missionaries usually act they take some initiative to go places before other people go there and they take um some things that are good for the community and good for countries that are in need of some help so mm -hmm. speaking about the missionaries um They have a very unique approach to Thailand. I mean, they do different things. They live in a different way. And one thing that always stands out to me is language ability, because there's few foreigners who speak Thai as well as often missionaries do. Well, yeah, I think... Do you, first of all, your Thai is at what level? I don't know what... There's like 75 different measuring scales, I think. Okay. I would be... If you look at the foreign population in Thailand, which percentile would you be? Probably the upper percent. I would say advanced, intermediate. I speak, okay, I'll just say this. I speak, I work with Thai people all in Thai, every day, all day. You do Bible study we in Thai. Yeah, we do Bible studies in Thai, every day, all day, reading in Thai, writing in Thai. And then on Sundays, you know, we have church and I will preach for an hour in Thai. So, and it's not, it's, you know, it's talking abstract concepts and all this kind of stuff. So it's, um, you've got to know how to talk if people are actually going to come listen. If nobody comes listen, maybe that means you're not actually communicating anything. Okay. <laughs> so when you get in the taxi, it arrives where you want to be. Right. <laughs> okay. But so what do you think was, uh, Is there a special trick why mission? Like, do they have like special language schools? Do they, what's the? Well, learning a language is all about motivation. Everybody comes with great intentions and great goals. You know, they want it, they say, I'm going to learn great. Or maybe they don't. But missionaries come in, first of all, with a very high goal because they, because we, they, we understand that we have to speak at a very high level to be able to explain abstract con uh, abstract concepts we're not just trying to sell shoes say hey so we learned the word for shoe soul hurt foot um thorns snakes 
and whatever. You know, we're not just learning our basic vocabulary and we only speak in that one little realm, but uh, a missionary has to come in and learn to be able to speak very broadly and in abstract concepts. And so that is one thing. The goal, the goal is very high. And then the other thing is motivation. Okay, quick test. What's ecumenicalism in Thai? Ecumenicalism? I don't know. We don't have to worry about a lot of the finer points of, of uh, theological terminology because uh -huh. we're talking about Jesus, and they are, have plenty of questions about that before we get to ecumenicalism. Okay. So um, that, that interactions you have with Thai people, um, would you say you're very immersed here? Yeah. Like I said, I spend eight hours a day with Thai people just speaking and working with Thai. Mm. So do you yes. feel that gives you a unique insight on Thai culture versus um, an insight that's maybe superior to other expatriates have? Uh, well, superior, it, I don't know what you judge what's better than what. I would say it's a, it's a focused area and we, we do, I do talk a lot deeper with a, with people than the, your average person. And so, yes, I think that does give me a little bit of a unique perspective on Thai people and Thai culture. Mm -hmm. And you think the language learning, you went to which, which school did you go to, by the way? I went to Banak Son on Sukhumvit 33. It's a, I did, me, me and my wife did private tutors for basically two years. You started with a school or, or that school is private tutors? It's a school, but they only do, it's like tutors. Okay. Yeah. So that's what you did, two years of private tutoring. Ba well, a year and a half probably of school and then, you know, just branching out and then just doing more working with people. Do you, did you have to design your own curriculum or were they bringing a very systematic approach already that you could just follow? It seems like most language schools in this country, there's like, again, I have sketchy history, but from what I hear, there's the Unity Language School that was like the, the daddy of language schools. And then there, there's been a lot of branches, but basically still the same curriculum, the same um, learning philosophy and stuff like that. So Uh, the school I went to didn't have that. I went to one initially that was in that it was very it was very rote. Like here's this sentence, memorize this sentence, say it, repeat it, don't ask questions, um, just say it, trust us. And I'm sure, and I've I know people who I know missionaries who have gone through that process and came out speaking the other end. But for me, it drove me nuts, and I couldn't do it. So I I switched off. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to just, even the school I went to had a curriculum, but they were, the reason I liked it basically is because they let me do whatever I want. So I just. I mean, you wanted to probably use, a, learn a very different vocabulary than no, the other expats. I mean, you want to, no? It's like I said, that the specialized vocabulary is, is like the last month. You can learn all you need to know in a month. The main thing is learn how to talk. And lunch, so I just did regular sentence like we just, I would, uh, I'd go in every day and I would say, okay, I'm going to tell you about the movie I watched last night. And I would just explain the plot. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, and I would learn 
you know, if it's about James Bond or whatever. How I would, many hours were you studying a week? I'd about, I would, it was four, three to four hours a day, every day with a private tutor. And any homework or just, or was it just conversational? Well, I did several things. If we're going to talk language, so I would do language school in the mornings from eight to 12 or something like that. And then I would eat lunch and I would come home and then I would, I had, the thing about me is I like, I change stuff. I change my method. I change my tools I'm using all the time. So I would do, I had friends who would come over. I had this one guy, I don't know why he came over, but he always did. So I was happy. He would just come over and talk to me. And so we, you know, we just have dinner and he'd be there for three hours and just talk about everything and nothing. And we'd maybe we'd watch a little bit of Thai TV and I'd be like, okay, what did he just say? You know, mm -hmm. just, but just talking with somebody, he knew English. So I was helping him with his English. He was helping me with my Thai. And then, um, later I would Glossica. Maybe there's a, maybe some people have heard of Glossica. It's a language learning method. It's a curriculum, um, that is just 3000 sentences kind of, chosen to cover all the broad topics of grammar and all this kind of stuff um starting from easy going to difficult and so i would drill those i just go home and listen to a thousand a day and then the next day i would listen to the same thousand and I, so it like drills those patterns into your head and i'm a fan of that even though i'm not a fan of the format that classica came in did you have anything else you needed to do during those language doing that language learning phase or was this really were you able to kind of fully dedicate yourself to just that yeah that might have a huge um impact on why missionaries are able to learn the lang learn language better than some other expats because most of the time if an expat comes over here the business is not going to pay for him to just learn language full-time correct yeah so but a missionary a missionary comes over here with the understanding that the initial time is just Full-time language learning, hurry up and get it over with as fast as you can, as fully as you can, and then start into the work. Mm. You so. mentioned businesses pay for Thai classes. Uh, who paid for yours? Well, we're supported from churches in the States. Uh -huh. So churches in the States support us monthly, and uh, we tell them what we are doing, and language school is just part of that, uh -huh. the initial setup phase. How does it... I mean, uh, that's an interesting question for me is like, you report back there. How do, the, how do you define success that you can report back? Yeah, that's a, that is a good question. And I think uh, it's a good question to have an answer to also. It's, you can't really measure it. If you say our goal is to convert this many people, you know, that's going to change your methods. And it's gonna, you're going to end up doing a bunch of not good things, probably, you know, if that's really your goal. If your goal is get so much money or to have the local church self-supporting, that's a bad goal. That's going to lead you to do some, you know, to focus on money. Are there specific suggestions people made to you that you rejected and said, okay, that's not what we're trying to do? Yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but... I don't know. To answer your question, though, is I think you have to measure your process. So I think you have to focus on the process and not the product because there's not really a product. We're not selling something. We're not trying to get a, a customer to do something one time or whatever. It's more of a 
it's a process. So we, so I teach. So I teach the Bible. We have Bible studies all the time. So I measure myself like that. Am I teaching, or am I um, loving people? Am I doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing? Am I doing right? Okay, if I'm doing right, then that's about it. If I'm busy in the work, then you know that's what a missionary is. So it's not. It can't be about money. It can't be about numbers. It can't be about these other things. Just it just has to be. It's like feeling you're. It's going well. Well, it's not. It's not really feeling. It's doing the right things. So it's yeah. It's definitely not feeling. It's doing the right things. Uh huh. So when a church, um, people, churches in the states, even it's through no fault of their own, but just for the fact that they are on that side of the world and they've only lived in America and they've never lived. They've never been an expat. They never come across the sea. They never learned another language. All these things. They're ignorant of what it is like to live in another country, first of all, and then especially to work in another country and all that is involved with that. So, so it's just difficult to, for them to really understand. Mm-hmm. So when I, like even, even a pastor, like our, my job is like 95% similar to what a pastor's job would be in the States. But even then, there's so much more involved just because expat life and language barriers and cultural barriers mm-hmm. that makes it difficult for them to understand. Speaking about the subject itself, is there like a different way you share gospel in Thailand versus, for example, a suburb in of Atlanta or so? Mm, well, it's in Thai. That's different. Right. And, but no, not really. It's the same. It's the same, really. It's really just about When you sh- if you share the gospel with anybody, each individual person person has their own thoughts, there has their own um, uh, assumptions, has their own doubts, has their own questions and things like that that they're going to ask. So in the suburb of Atlanta, talking with one guy versus guy number two is not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. You're still saying the same thing. And so the same thing is here. Like, However, there's like in, I would say maybe in the U.S., people are have a very different relationship maybe with the concept of guilt. Um, with culturally, it's just kind of a very, very important and big factor. Yeah, I guess that's true. And here, it maybe it's, I'm not sure, maybe it's more shame. Or like the, the guilt concept, I would say, is culturally different in Thailand. And since it's such an essential part of uh, Christianity, how does that impact your work here? Oh, okay, that, that makes sense. Um, Because, okay, for instance, I have, yes, in the States, like you're talking about, one of the things that makes, that is, if I'm going to expl- try to explain the Gospels extremely clearly to an American, or probably just a Westerner, if you talk in terms of a law, and doing right and wrong, and a judge, and payment for that, like a fine, or penalties for sin, you know, and then somebody pays your fine for you, And therefore, you don't have any fine left to be paid. Like, that clicks. That clicks with me. That clicks with people. They understand the whole court system is like that. And so, and there is an aspect of the gospel that is that. It is, we've done wrong. We deserve to pay for our sin. Jesus died on the cross to pay for pay our sin for us. And we trust in him and he, and it's done. It's over. We're, we're forgiven. But when I try to explain that, The Thai people, it's like they just their eyes glaze over 
totally, uh, they seem like totally uninterested. And I'm like, and I know, I know in my head because, you know, this has something to do with the Thai culture thing and understanding. It's really understanding how, what they think and how they think, I guess, and being able to recognize what they're thinking while you're saying stuff. So it's just reading the audience and kind of stuff like that. So, but I will, I will like try and I'm like, I'm okay. People say that people, that this is not going to click with people. So I'm going to, I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to make it click. Okay. How do you make it click? What's your, well, I just how try, do you reach Thai people? That's what I'm saying. Like I would, I'm saying I'm, tr- I'm going to try to use that way of explaining the gospel. I try, I have tried in the past. So to use that way of explaining the gospel to make it click with people. And they just like, look at me like bored. They're like, yeah, we get it. Uh-huh. Great. Good. Okay. So I learned and I asked, I was like, I mean, these were Christians I was talking to and we got through talking and I was like, and I just, <laughs> just laughed. I was like, okay, I just tried my hardest. Why don't you, why didn't that click with you? Why do you seem so bored when I explain it that way? And they're like, well, maybe it's because we have a very low opinion of the law. Maybe it's because we have a very low opinion of court. Maybe it's because we have a very low opinion of just like the finality of judgments and things like this. And it changes their, you know, in our, in a Western mind, it's like, you know, it's absolute, like judgment is rendered and that's what it is. And you have to therefore follow that or whatever, you know? And so maybe that's what makes it clear to us. But for them, it's like, yeah, but there's probably a way out of it. You know, that's Okay. That's the best answer I got for that. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, I mean, you you build you're building this church here from scratch. Like, you started at zero. Mm-hmm. How did you? How did? How do you even start? Do you want an answer to the? How do you explain the? For what does click? Oh yeah, sure. Okay. So, I uh, I tried that way. It didn't work. Um, but I think what does click, and what has clicked uh, with people is. Not the understanding of guilt and sin and judge and stuff like that, but more of honor shame, like what you were saying. Not much, not necessarily the shame as much, but the honor. Basically, um, what people seem to have no problem understanding is that God is high. He is the He's the Creator. He's He's good. He provides for us he gives us life and breath and all things and we have chosen to not disobey him necessarily but we have dishonored him by not by not doing what is appropriate in response to his goodness to us and so it's we're basically saying the same thing you know but that seems to in a culturally relevant con yeah it way. seems to cl- and that is just it's 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 just as true. The exact same, not the exact same. It's a different concept, but the specific type of honor you're talking about in Thai is. What do you mean? Yet. Well, all of it, but yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't hike yet. We don't um, do those things, but it's it's really all of it. And I think a lot of it is Thai is a very reciprocal society. So if you do something nice for somebody, they feel obligated to do something nice for you. And so that's a very um, understood relationship. And so explaining God who has given us all things, they 
they understand that there should be a response to that. And then we respond opposite of what we should respond, then framing know. it in the Thai client patronage terminology. Uh, well, if you want to sim- sort of kind of simplified. Sim- yeah. Okay. Did you read that book too? Which one? The, uh, the way ties lead. Yeah. 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 What do you think? That guy who wrote it was a Christian. Uh-huh. He was a missionary kid, I think. And so, yeah, he, I went to a, a little seminar that he did and he said that he was, he was thinking about God and the gospel and stuff helped him a lot in understanding actually, um, all of that, all those concepts and things. Uh-huh. Interesting. So talking about your own church, um, you started it like literally three houses down from where I live, which was a bit of a surprise when I walked past that because that is like the most Thai neighborhood. And how did you even like, yeah, how did you even find a location? Like, I mean, it's not hard to find a location if you pay for it. Or I mean, how did you decide on like, why, why go to Bangkok? Why go to Dindang? Well, if I had to do it over again, I may choose a cheaper place. But I thought, and I chose it completely irrespective of money, which is why I'm so broke. Dindang, well, the city, first of all, I wanted to go to a major city just because people are more open-minded here. And then I wanted to go where people are. So, And Dindang is the most populated part of Bangkok. And it's... You know, it's just, you live here. It's just, it's just normal, average people walking by, just, just a regular Joe. Um, so, you know, that's basically it. Seems to be also a popular area because I know the Mormons or so are also, I see them often in the subway stations around here. And I think quite a few of them live around here. I don't know. I'm not a big Mormon fan. Okay. Do you, do you meet them? Do you see them? No, no. Okay. So, um, you pick like, how do you, so you kind of picked a densely populated area and said, okay, this is a good spot. And then what, like, do you, it's not painted and put a sign on it or. No, I got one that was already painted because I don't want to paint, Uh (laughs) but, um, like, do you have to, I mean, when I come here, you know, I need to start a company and go to a lawyer and uh, like yeah there's a lot of legal hurdles to go through like technically we are under a okay you got the government the thai government who gives out visas through i think my visa is actually through the department of cultural affairs or something like that and then there's like a section of that that has to do with religion then there's like five branches under that that are the different branches like Catholic and I think Baptist and then a catch-all EFT and then Catholic and then Seventh-day Adventist, I think. Those are the five branches. So EFT, Evangelical Fellowship of Thailand, that's the catch-all, has like 70 organizations under that or plus, probably 100 by now. So like 100 organizations under EFT. And so one of those is our sponsoring organization to take us to EFT, who EFT takes us to the Department of Religious Affairs, and Religious Affairs takes us to the government and get the visa, and then it comes all the way back down to us. How do they vet you? Like, they're like, well, let's hear, let's hear uh, you preach. Or, like, how do they check? 
Um, well, first of all, it's that organization. Mm-hmm. It's the our sponsoring organization, one of those 70 mm-hmm. smaller organizations, is we have to be accepted with them. So it's a one of the, those organizations are normally churches mm-hmm. or some kind of missions agency with a church or something. And so that's the first process. Do you have like... Because those people aren't going to accept you unless they know who you are and they can understand. And so there's questions. like past history of your church in the US and the, that church here? Of yeah. Acting? So I had to, I had to sub- submit my education, my education, my history, my work history, and all that stuff, like all this kind of stuff to them. And then they take all that and add their credentials to it. And then, you know, it just adds credentials all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. So that's basically it. So you're, um, I mean, that's with so many churches here. Like, are you, are you under the direction of a Thai church? Are you like under, I'm not sure what the, organization yeah all those organizations are my authority like i have to obey all those organizations i have to buy obey the thai government most broadly i have to buy obey the religious what's it called the church of thailand no the the i'm not sure what evangelical fellowship of thailand okay do they tell you what to do or sort of they have some broad okay i had to go i had an interview with them Uh so when when i when i was going to get accepted with them i had to go down and sit down with an interview with them and they asked me, okay, what's your plan? What do you want to do? Where are you want to do it? And how are you going to go about doing that? And they were wanting to make sure that I wasn't just going to come in and do my own thing and make just a completely foreign, strange, um, Western thing. But I don't, that doesn't make much sense. That's not very clear. Well, what is something that wouldn't have, that wouldn't fly with them, for example? They want, and I want, so it worked out. They want Christianity and churches to be a Thai thing. They want it to be coming from Thais, built by Thais, spread by Thais. Because if it's not that, then it's just, it's kind of like a, just like a thing stuck on the side of the country. It doesn't really fit. And so they wanted to make sure that I was going, you know, teach it in in Thai and I was going to focus on training. Thai leadership and all that kind of stuff. And so, and on the first day of our church, I said, I'm sorry, I'm foreign. I'm sorry, I'm white. I'm sorry, I don't speak Thai very well. But my goal is to make this a Thai church and get out of here and get out of your hair where you can just take it and run with it. Sounds very similar to startups where the Thai government wants to see that you train Thai people and Thai people do the job. And yeah. Did you did you come here proactively, or was there a Thai church that asked you to come here? Um, I came just on my own. Uh-huh. Would it have been possible for you to be here without being under a Thai church? Uh, I mean, that's not the only way to get a visa. So I guess you could come here on your own. But this is the most legit way. Uh-huh. To come here under a Thai church and sponsored by all those different organizations and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So I'm not an expert on theology. I'm not either. I still hope you can answer this one. <laughs> um, so Baptists are usually very independent organizations. You, have, you don't really have a, such a strong authority structure as like other denominations. Yes. On the other hand, Thailand is very hierarchical and very structured in a, uh, you obey a hierarchy, you have to maintain the harmony. So there's like certain, you know, 
keeping people in line, towing the party line. Is there like a conflict between that for you? No. The only thing that I've noticed maybe is people saying, they, they, they come to our church and be like, so what organization are you with? They want to know like our, what's above us mm. or whatever. That's the only thing I've really noticed about that. But no. Mm. I mean, in Thailand, you have this system of, you know, as you say, of respect and propriety and, you know, knowing your proper place in society. Um, I mean, that's very important in Thai culture, knowing your place. Is that something you have, you are critical of? I don't think authority is bad. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong about authority. So, no. But just the, I don't know if it has to do with my Americanness coming out or whatever. I just, I just don't operate that way. Like, and I think Thai people, that may be the Thai culture, but Thai people sure appreciate it when you don't act like a jerk. And they sure appreciate it when you are generous to them. And they sure appreciate it when you do something that isn't appropriate for maybe somebody higher to quote unquote condescend to their level and care about them, basically. So I'm not critical of it, but I don't, I don't, I don't practice it. I don't lord over people, you know, that kind of stuff. I feel like I could get away with it because I do feel like people come in and like, like one time this girl, I had, we had everybody over to our house and we were just having, I think, um, I just had everybody over for eating. And this um, girl, we were sitting in my living room and she just said, she's going to say something, tell me a story or tell me some little problem in her life. She's like, da, da, da. And I, and I sat down and I listened to her. And she was just like, oh, thank you, Ajahn, for this. I can't believe you would stoop and listen to me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm just listening. I'm just hearing your story and telling you what I think about it or whatever, you know. And, but in their minds, I think there is a there is a lot of hierarchy. But, you know, I try not to use it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think of the concept of sin in Thai society, um, are there cultural aspects of, or are there aspects of Thai culture that you feel are bordering on being sinful? Just cultural differences? Cultural differences or, okay, you threw me off there at the end because you were saying, are there aspects of Thai culture that I think are bad? Okay, let's, and then let's, start, the with the, let's said, start with the, okay. <laughs> do you think there are aspects of Thai culture that are sinful? Of course. Um, there's aspects of every culture that are sinful. Are there any particular ones that stand out in Thai, in the Thai culture? Now what, I, I guess I don't know. Well, what do you mean by culture? Are you talking about Something stuff you, that happens in Thailand, or are you talking about mindsets and stuff like that? Mindsets. Mindsets that are, I would call, that, that are wrong. Yeah, I think... It goes, I think that hierarchical thing is, is often not used good. I, for instance, I notice bosses being very short and mean and demanding and just not considerate at all. Who is that? I'll, give, I'll just give you one example. One mm -hmm. is uh, when I was moving, I was moving houses 
And I had I just invited my friends over, and I was like, "Hey, um, can you come help me move or whatever?" They that's it, sure. So my landlord showed up, and um, she saw these people who were there, and may, uh, maybe she assumed I assumed she assumed it's <laughs> a lot of assuming. So I assume she assumed that I hired them or something to come help me. And she was so just mean to him. She's like, you, get over here, move this table. And I'm like, what, what, what? And I'm like, I, I went over there and I, like, I grabbed the table and I moved it. And I'm like, I'm trying to like say, don't treat people like that. And um, then she'd be like, you, go up there. See that spot on the wall? Why is that dirty? Go clean that up. And I'd be like, nah, nah, well, just hold on. I didn't say anything to her and I didn't say anything to them. I just like did it. I just did what she said because I think that's, I don't think, I think you, if you think you're just above people better than other people and because you have money or something that you can just order people around, mm. I don't think that's good. You have those hierarchies in Thai society. It's sometimes maybe even like a caste system where, you know, different social, economic, layers of society don't interact with each other or don't speak up against a higher level. Um, is that a challenge for a church? Because you try to bring together, are you kind of limited to a single demographic? Because once you mix them, there's like issues in the congregation. No, because I think that's the, one of the great things about um, Christianity is it brings all those people together. So in our church, we have me, I'm a foreigner. Um, we have rich people that are so-called high-so people, high society. Shorthand is high-so for people who are on the plane coming, as you say. So we got high-so people, and we got people who are all the way down to poor, who have all kinds of problems in their life, and just so have all kinds of problems to the, we have mentally handicapped people. So we have the whole spectrum. You know, but everybody just gets along and loves each other and it's all great. And that and I think if you have power, if you have authority, you should use that for good, not mm -hmm. use it to serve yourself. When you say mentally handicapped. I mean autistic. We have some autistic people. Or yeah. Okay. Do they come on their own? Do they join others or Yeah, they just came on their own. This there's one guy in particular, he came on his own. You know, autistic people tend to, I don't know much about autism, but it seems like autistic people seem to have an interest that they will take a special interest in and really just like it a lot. And this guy's particular interest is English. And so we taught some free English classes for the community. And so he came because of that. But he'd already, he was already a Christian before that. But he just came and he just, he just loves English. So he'll tell me about all the English literature he's reading. and he doesn't even speak English. <laughs> he reads English, but he doesn't speak it? Pretty much. Does he, like, okay. Um, he, and he knows all the, cap all the states and all the capitals of all the states, like, for real. Like, I don't know him, and he does. And he'll tell me all this U.S. history and about um, all the poets of the past. And he'll just tell me, he's like, that's what I was reading today. I'm like, cool. <laughs> and he brings me... Every single day, he has a workbook. I mean, he has a, there's an English book, and he will, he does it. He fills out the worksheet, and every single day, he brings it to me to grade for him. He's copying the answers out of the back of the book, because I have the book, too. And I like, because when it's time to, like, write your own sentence kind of thing, 
he'll write a sentence. It's always, well, first of all, it's 100% correct all the time. And second of all, it's some weird sentence. And I'll flip back to the answer key because it's in the back of the book. And it's like, it's written word for word <laughs> what that was. And I'm like, but I just like smile like, good job. And I just give it back to him. It takes me two minutes, the one 30 seconds. So I just, whatever. I just, but he has me graded every single day. <laughs> Do you ever, I mean, you mentioned you haven't run into uh, Mormons. Uh, have you ever seen one of the street preachers here? No. A Mormon street preacher? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they are. Um, there was, I think I saw them at Kaosan Road. Like, you know, you have a group of white foreign missionaries. One stands there with a Bible and screams at the people walking fast. Yeah, I don't think that does much good. Like, you know, like, okay, yeah, you like if you would see that, what would go through your head? Like, yeah. I got more stories than you do, probably. Oh, do do share. <laughs> so yeah, you got that. That's a that's actually a pretty good example. Did you did you experience something like that? No, I don't. I don't do anything like that. I don't think most people do anything like that because it's a, it's just. Have you seen it? I haven't seen any street preachers here, but I have seen. Like I said, missionaries give missionaries a bad name. When I first came to Thailand, I visited a church of somebody. I knew it, what it was going to be like before I went, but I just went to go see it for myself. And it was a guy, and he's um, he started a church, and there was a team of like seven families, mission, quote unquote, missionary families who were there, and they would send out a a uh, song pile to go get um, people from the community, like offering them candy, like, Hey, come. And the week I was there, like a grandma and her, wait, 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 they picked up people in the van by offering candy. I don't know if they actually offer candy, but they are not, um, unbeknownst to do that. Okay. They don't like bribe them into the church, but they, but kind of, I mean, basically it's bribing them into the church. They don't say, hey, little boy, come get in the can get in the van. I'll give you some candy. You know, they don't say it exactly okay. like that. But they say, hey, come to church. We got games and we got prizes and I'll give you candy and we'll uh, do this and all this kind of stuff. And they bribe people into the building? Basically. I mean, uh -huh. basically. I mean, they're not bright. They are. I don't think it's, I don't think they're being evil about it. Uh -huh. They're just trying to, they're inviting people to come play games, and eat candy, uh -huh. basically. And uh, someone might say that free English classes are just candy in a different form. Well, sure. I mean, everybody has a way of promoting and trying to invite people. And so, but uh, the difference with us, that the difference between, I think, do, using a bribe or trying to invite people in um, if you do it, hey, come get candy. Like, I don't even care of that. Like, if you're just inviting people to come and play games and eat candy, that's one thing. But the church that I was mentioning, like, they will invite them and then they will take a time and they will, quote unquote, preach the gospel and then say, all right, everybody who believes, raise your hand or whatever. Pray after me. Repeat after me. Okay, now you're a Christian. Everybody come up here and get baptized. And like, they don't no, nothing happened there except you confused them. They're like, okay, what's going on at this church? I don't understand what he just talked about. When I was there, he didn't even preach the gospel. Like, he didn't even explain it. He just, 
he just talked about I don't even remember what like we should be good or something. And then at the end, he's like, "All right, everybody, come up here, and if you do the ten percent of coming to the front, whatever that means, then God will do the ninety percent of saving you. Whatever, like the whole thing was just didn't make any sense. I and I was he was speaking in English. On top of that, he was speaking speaking through a translator. So just the whole thing just makes me kind of mad. And then they're but they're baptized and they're on the bus back home by the time they left. Nothing happened. I mean, nobody got saved. Nobody understood the gospel. Nobody even understands what church is about, what Jesus, who Jesus is any better than when they got there. So I think when you lure them in with, hey, come and we'll feed you. We'll, hey, we'll come in, come in and we'll teach you English. Hey, come in, we'll give you candy. Hey, come in, we'll play games. And then you like throw in this little 10 minute blurb and then somehow they're in the water later, all confused and then wet going home. That's, I think that's a bunch of hooey. Mm-hmm. We taught English, but we invited them to say, hey, we got free English classes. And when they came in, we taught English. So your, your English class is Jack goes, buys an apple and not Jesus shares fish. Or like, what's the, yeah. are your... We used Cambridge. We used several different materials now. I just wish I could find one that I actually liked. Mm-hmm. That I feel was actually making, helping people learn English. But yeah, we said we teach them free English. And so people came and guess what? We taught them free English. Uh-huh. And we taught, we just taught English classes. We had two classes. We had an advanced class and we had a beginner's class. And, you know, we just sat there and talked and worked on pronunciation. We were just English. Okay. And then at the end, uh, actually, there was most days we don't even invite them to church at the end. But like we started, we did English classes before our very first service, before, before our very first opening. So we taught for six weeks, I think. And then at the end of the six weeks, like, and we had like parties, like Friday, we called them conversation parties, basically where they have an opportunity to talk with and try to use their English. But it's basically just hanging out mm. kind of deal. And so uh, uh, at the end of all that, you know, I'm supposed to, okay, I've deceived you this long. Now I'm going to get you. Well, I just said, oh, I love that all of you came. I'm glad that you're all here. If you would like, we have a church starting on Sunday. It's going to be our very first service. I'd love for you to come if you want to come. So see you there, maybe. That's about all we did. And so it's, it's like also working within that Thai system you described where you do someone a favor and they feel maybe obligated to repay that favor so if you teach that you know they know they're receiving a favor and they feel like oh i want to return that favor by joining i definitely think that we've had visitors to our church just for the sole purpose of that just Mm -hmm. make feeling like oh thank you for teaching me english i'll come to your church once and see what it's like or just i'll come to your church once because i know you want me to you know Mm kind of deal so definitely but uh, i'm glad they came i'm glad they uh, had an opportunity to hear um, I think a lot of people have come kind of for that reason and then got got interested and then started keeping coming back. But if they just come once, first of all, I don't, I'm glad that they came. Second of all, if they don't, it's not like they got any merit for doing that or anything. It's really, it's all, I can't trick people with English to get any actual fruit. Mm-hmm. What's your take on all the, um, I mean, Thailand has a lot of exposure to Christianity through its Christian schools. A lot of the good schools in Bangkok, or there are many uh, Christian schools where, well, people 
get taught things about Christianity and have a lot of exposure through Christianity. And I know plenty of Thais, Buddhist Thais, who went to a Christian school for years and years. What's your take on that concept? About what concept? Go, having Christian, Christian schools? schools? Like basically go to school and you get a basically good education. At the same time, you know, there is a religious element to it. I don't have any experience with that. But I do know people who have, very few people, who have gone to Christian school and um, they got a good education. I don't know. I think most of the time those Christian schools, quote unquote, are like 1% Christian and 99% school. So that's about what I think of it. It seems like a good school. Mm -hmm. But again, you can't force anybody to believe anything. Mm -hmm. So, and with a school, especially with your, when you're there with, you're at school with a bunch of friends and then you go and sit and here you're, I don't know what they do. Maybe have a chapel or something every day or something or once a week or something. Morning prayer. Okay. Yeah. That's what, yeah. I just don't think that that has a lot of, Mm. it's good. I don't mean that I think it's bad, but I don't think it's. If you're a convinced Christian, you obviously also believe that everybody who's not Christian is wrong. Sure. So (laughs) you are surrounded by 99.5% who got the most important thing in their lives completely wrong. Okay. That's what you, I mean, that's how you would perceive your environment here. Is that correct? I perceive my environment as people around me need help. And so I'm going to try to help them. So I don't feel, I don't feel like people are just around me. Oh, look at that sinner over there. Look at that sinner over there. I can't believe he's, I think the 99.9% of those 99.5% I've never heard. They've never thought through it themselves. They have wild misconceptions. Like the other day, we had a, what was it? Something. We had a kids thing. And we have kids that come through doing whatever. And they just like hang out at the church sometimes. And um, a kid was talking to another kid who got relayed to me somehow. The message from his parent, his mom was, you got to be careful them Christians. They'll tell you to go and kill yourself. Like, they're the ones who tell you to go, like, drink the Kool-Aid kind of deal. Like, there's going to be a day where they're going to ask you to kill yourself. I mean, that's like as far. That mom took some something from where she heard somewhere, conflated it with this church and whatever, something else. And somehow she came to the conclusion that we're going to ask her kids to commit suicide, but she's still okay with him coming. Hmm. Okay. So I think that there's... There's a lot of misunderstandings. There's a lot of misconceptions. Nobody, virtually nobody has really had it laid out for them to decide, laid out the information where they can see what is actually um, the Christian teaching, where they can make a educated decision about that. So I'm here as a teacher. Mm-hmm. You teach people about the love of Jesus Christ. Do you... The, I mean, I talked earlier about the concept of guilt being different. Is also the concept of love different? Because coming from a Buddhist background, they might see love as something that might be, you know, um, sentimental or something you have to give up, this detachment that they desire. So is there like a, maybe in the West, people are more culturally trained to seek out being loved whereas here it's more considered to be something you should detach yourself from 
I don't know if I should say this or not, but I think the concept of karma, we'll just say, I think that's basically a selfish concept. Why do you do good? So you can get good. Why do you do anything um, compassionate to other people? Because you're going to get some merit for that, or you're going to get some credit for that in some way. But really, you're not necessarily thinking about that person. You're thinking about yourself. And so because you want something good for yourself, you do something good for you do something good for someone some way. So I don't think that there's a lot of love in that. I don't think that concept leads itself to genuine love. I think that concept leads itself to genuine trying to do things that you get credit for. I think in on your website you actually describe the uh society in very um confrontational terms. Oh, did you can I, can I quote? So on your website, you say, Thailand has been steeped in false religion for so long. The fruit of these lies is woven deep into society and people's thinking. I would think that is a very confrontational approach. And I could see how it might make it difficult to reach people. I just mean this con these concepts that I was just describing, the concept of karma and all this kind of stuff. Um, that has gotten deep into their thinking. They're thinking that's basically selfish. That's basically I'm going to do good in order to get something for it. If I don't get anything for it, there's no use in doing it kind of deal. And then what was the last part? The fruit of these lies is woven deep into society and people's thinking. So I think I wrote that. Okay, this past week we were having a Bible study. It was kind of, it was more of a time for people to just talk. And um, I was like, does anybody have anything that they want to thank the Lord for or something? And it just started. Like, just people, you've seen that little big conference table we have there at the church. We just were sitting around. And people just started unloading about all these old beliefs that they used to have, all these old superstitions, all these things that they used to fear, about what their friends are saying now that they're a Christian, about... Um, just these, oh, this spirit, like this spirit does this thing. You have to make merit to this in this place for this specific reason. You, uh, you know, spirits in my house. I got to go make merit or go honor in this specific place for all these. Like it was that, and it was they were just talking like they just went on for like twenty minutes, just sharing just wild stories and wild beliefs and all these superstitious type things. And then, like after they've been talking for twenty minutes. I'm just sitting, I'm just listening. They're like, what do you think about all this? I'm like, I'm just sitting here listening because I, you know, it's so much, it's so much and so many stories and so many beliefs and, and, uh, so many different beliefs. Basically I can't keep up with it because Buddhism in Thailand is not just a straight Buddhism. You got the four noble truths and that's about, no, it is far from that. It is four plus eight plus 365 plus thousand like it's just there's all kinds of stuff you believe so that's when i was saying fruit of these lies it's like it's it's stuff that people have heard that they should fear that they should 
not go there or not do that action or not do this thing because there's a spirit out to get you. And so it leads a life. It leads to a life of just scared to death and feeling like you got to make the spirits that you can't see happy. And so you're giving up money that you're not supposed you shouldn't have to give up. And you're trying and you're using time to go and uh, do all these things because you're afraid or you're doing all these things in order to get something in the future karma um, that, you know, and so that's kind of what I mean. It's just, it's a, the belief system changes how you, it really does have a make a difference on, on how you view life. And another thing is teaching people about the love of Jesus, you know, like you were saying, um, that makes a big difference in people like the same group of people, just the people I interact with. I find the natural tendency. There's really not much difference between Thai people and the whole rest of the world. People are people, and I think if you forget that, then you m misunderstand a lot. Um, but people, in general, naturally, are very quick to write people off, very quick to not be forgiving, very quick to hold grudges, very quick to just smile, but inside they're just bitter or whatever. And so, I mean, I think the gospel has real impact on that. The hierarchy thing that I was talking about, disappearing, the whole animosity towards somebody above us or below us, disappearing, and, and this fear of spirits and superstitions and all this kind of stuff that they feel like they've grown up feeling like they have to obey and adhere to, disappearing, and they, they just live free. Mm -hmm. That's what are these, like, if you look at it from not just from a uh, religious point of view, what are the benefits you would explain to someone that you bring to the country? Well, I think that's a pretty good one. Um, and I think that is the source of other good things. My focus is not, I don't have any plans to start any hospitals. I don't have any plans to start a lot of good things. I want to start a church and I want to teach things that lead to that, that change the mindset, that change the mindset from fear and hate and unforgiveness to love and acceptance and understanding and compassion and patience with people. And that I think, and on top of that, more than that, also a understanding of personal responsibility an understanding of, we want to do right no matter the stars fall. Uh, we're just going to do right, not out of fear, but just because we want to we just want to do right. Uh, so I think that, I think fruit from that mm. is a lot of good things. It'll happen. Where are places where people can go to find out more about your work or support your work here? We have a website, projectthailand.net. Mm -hmm. uh, that's about it. I mean, we've got Facebook, but if you really want to find out everything, it's on that website. Okay, we'll put the links in the show notes. You're currently doing a fundraiser? Um, yeah, we're trying to start a foundation here, to like a nonprofit, because we do have a lot of nonprofit-y stuff going on. So it makes sense to have a nonprofit organization if you're going to do nonprofit stuff. Okay. And it costs a lot of money and lawyer fees and such. Uh -huh. And people find out about that on projecttalent.net. Right. Okay, cool. Philip, thank you very much for taking the time for this interview. It was a pleasure of having you here. Well, appreciate you having me. And that's it from Brood in Bangkok for this episode. 
If you like the show, please go to iTunes and leave it a five-star rating. If you would like to find out more about the show, you can go to broodinbangkok.com and the website will redirect you to more information about the podcast, show notes, and more background information about our guests and anything else you want to know about the show or me. Until next time. <laughs>